This is the Relatable Podcast with Dr. Siobhan, the place where wives are empowered to create happy and loving marriages without making over their husbands. If you are a wife looking to transform your marriage from the inside out, you've come to the right place. Get ready to hear relatable stories, practical advice, and empowering perspectives for how to have a marriage that truly lights you up inside. Now, let's get to the work of Relating Well. Well, hello there. It is Dr. Siobhan here, founder of Relatable. How are you? How in the world are you doing? I hope you're doing well. Uh, thank you for tuning in today. And so I'm excited about this podcast episode. I hope that you will be too. Um, but you may not be. <laughs> you may not be because I'm pretty sure something I'm going to say is going to challenge something you have been thinking, you have been believing, you have maybe even been hoping to be true for you in your own marriage. And so today we are talking about lies we believe about marriage. And, you know, before I go into the content, I want to just say that everything I do on this podcast is really designed to stretch you and to grow you and to transform you, to transform the way you see things, the way you are being, the way um, your marriage is unfolding if you're unhappy, right? So if you're happy and things are going wonderful, then I want you to keep doing what you're doing. But I'm going to take a wild guess and think that possibly you're tuning into this particular podcast and this episode specifically is because there are some things that aren't actually going the way you would like in your own marriage. And so in this conversation, we're going to have about some of these lies and myths and misconceptions. I hope that you will take them with the lens of improving, right? Not of just like, oh, this was a lie. I bought into this lie and now I'm going to be forever disappointed. No, no, that is not what we are here to do. We are here to empower you with better thinking, a better perspective that's ultimately going to lead to you feeling happier, more peaceful, more content, and more fulfilled in the relationship you have with your husband. And so sometimes that road, sometimes that journey, sometimes that pathway to greater happiness is filled with bumps in the road. And this particular podcast may be one of those bumps in the roads for you where we actually bump up against some beliefs that you really want to be true. Some things that you've been holding on to, you've been, you know, attached to, to such a degree that what I share may be met with resistance. And if you do feel any resistance, and again, if you're not in the best place in your marriage, I want you to just take that as an open door for things to be different, right? I don't want this to be a conversation where you argue with me, but really that you come to a space 
uh, to this conversation from a place of openness and willingness to consider the possibility. I think that is the most important perspective that you can have in anything that's designed to help you grow and improve your life is to just be open to the possibility that there's a different way that might be better for you. Okay, so I've said all of that. Let me get into the content of what I want to share and why I want to share it with you. And so I, like you, entered marriage bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, walking down that aisle to my husband with tears in my eyes, so grateful to God for the gift of that human being that was standing there smiling at me at the end of the aisle. And so I want you to even think about to your own wedding, right? Think back to your own wedding and what that time of your life was like. There was so much hope, so much promise, so much excitement and, you know, just joy and happiness for what your life would be like together. And as you said those vows, you meant them, right? For better, for worse. Let's just stay there. For better, for worse. You meant it on that day because let's be honest, maybe at that time you actually hadn't seen the worst. Maybe at that time you had no idea what the worst might be for you and your union. And so you entered into this contract willingly, gladly, eagerly anticipating much, much better than the worst. And so we all have had an experience like that in one way or another where our expectations for what we believed marriage would be like just don't get met. And when that happens, we have the opportunity to either hold on to those expectations and to remain disappointed, remain frustrated, live in a constant state of upset, or we have the opportunity to shift those expectations to line up with reality. Now, let me be clear here. I am not saying in any way that you need to lower your standards. We all have those non-negotiables, those deal breakers that really draw the line in the sand for what we will tolerate and what we will not tolerate in a marriage. And those are personal to you. But what I am saying is that sometimes we hold on to things that just don't serve us. We hold on to beliefs and expectations that really were misguided in the first place. Or maybe they were based on something that is just not the reality of our exact marriage. And so what I'm going to share are really just the points that I feel many of us walk into marriage believing, but for the most part, don't actually serve us when it comes time to being married, right? So the first one I want to share is this belief um, and this expectation that the other person should meet your emotional needs, 
right? So as women, we come with a lot of emotional needs, right? There are a lot of things you want to feel, you want to experience, you want to have in the relationship with your husband. And when you're dating, it really seems like he is meeting those needs, right? You feel loved, you feel appreciated, you feel attended to, you feel like he's being affectionate, and you feel cherished, and you feel beautiful, and you feel worthy, and just like all these amazing, wonderful things you feel are happening. And you feel that he is contributing to that. He is the cause. He is the reason why you feel so loved. He's doing things. He's saying things. He's showing up in a certain way. And down the road, once you get married and things set in, if he changes, then you don't feel those things anymore. And so in order for you to feel happy and confident and loved and appreciated and cherished and adored, he has to meet your needs, right? That's what we're taught. And I think that there's value in that to some degree because yes, marriage should be a mutually beneficial experience, but it's no one's responsibility to meet your needs. And in actuality, you know, your husband's only job is to be there for you to love. And this was a concept I learned from a mentor of mine. And when I first heard it, it was sort of eye-opening and liberating at the same plate, at the same time. So if the only thing your husband needs to do is to just be alive, <laughs> to just come home, um, to be there for you to love, then how easy is it for you to love him? If all he has to do is just like wake up and exist, how easy is it for you to love him? And when I thought about that, it actually reminded me of the unconditional love of God, right? Like God doesn't need anything from us. We don't have to fill his emotional needs ever, right? And he still loves us. He loves us just because we exist. He loves us just because he created us and we are his own. He loves us because we breathe. And I think we miss that in marriage. I think the, the concept of unconditional love is something that we want to believe we really feel, that we want to believe we're doing, right? Because you have love in your heart for your husband, but you don't always love him. And a lot of times the reason you don't love him is because you feel like he's not loving you the way you want to be loved. And so that is a lie that I feel sometimes is just not helpful and serving where we're actually trying to go in a marriage. And so I want to just throw out there to you, like, what if he didn't need to meet your needs? Then what? Like, what if you just relaxed that expectation? If you just like gently erased it from your consciousness and the only thing he had to do was just be there for you to love. That love was a conscious choice and decision on your part because you wanted to. 
and because he was worthy of it, regardless of what he was doing and regardless of what he's not doing, just by the mere fact that he exists, that he's a gift to you from your creator, right? He is hand selected for you. That in and of itself is pretty powerful. And I almost feel like I could just end this episode right there with a mic drop because I want you to get it. Like, I really want you to get that. What if he didn't have to meet your emotional needs? What if your emotional needs were already met and already fulfilled by the power within you, by your relationship with God, and that your husband is just like a cherry on top of this beautiful, perfect, whole and complete Sunday? I think it would be awesome. And I want you to try it. I want you to just try to relax that expectation and challenge that belief that he has to meet your emotional needs. He doesn't have to do anything. Okay. Number two, the second lie we believe is that marriage is give and take. And again, on the surface, like, yeah, I want to believe that too. But What about when it's not give and take? What about when it's you're giving and he's taking? Then what? Then what are you left with? No one ever tells you or prepares you for that reality. And there will be seasons in your marriage where you are the one giving and giving and giving and giving. And it seems like he's the one that's just taking, taking, taking and taking. And so... In those instances, I think it's really important for you to be aware of your own personal boundaries, right? Like you can't expect him to stop taking if you keep giving, right? It's like if you walked up to an ATM machine and you punched in $100 and instead of $100, the money just kept coming out and your bank account wasn't being depleted. There was no notice or alerts telling you like you're getting close to your minimum balance, right? None of that is happening. It's just giving, 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 right? You take it, right? You Like you would take it. And so the same in marriage, right? Like your husband is not responsible for stopping you for giving if you're in a place of giving. That's your own choice. And That's good news to you because you have the choice to keep giving even if you feel like you're not getting in return. And so I know you're listening. You're like, well, why would I want to do that, Siobhan? Like, what's the point of being married if I'm not getting anything in return? Well, let me ask you, what is the point? Right? Did you get married because of what your husband was giving you? Or did you get married because of what you wanted to give him? Now, one of those is self-seeking and selfish. And another is selfless, right? And so God wants you to be selfless, of course. He's the model for that. And so if you find that you are in a place where you don't want to give because you're not getting in return... I want you to just question that. Like, why? And why does it have to be give and take? Like, who said that? 
Who said that it had to be that way? And is it a really awful thing if it's not? Because let's be honest here, there's going to be a time in your marriage, if it hasn't already occurred, where your husband is giving, where maybe you're being resentful and you're being, um, you know, your heart is hardened against him and he's the one pursuing you. He's the one giving to the relationship. Now, if that's not your reality right now, I know you're like shaking your head like, I wish, Siobhan, I wish that were the case. And I get it. I absolutely get it. But I think the the more peaceful place for you to be, the more content place for you to be is just asking yourself the question like, what if it doesn't have to be give and take? What if I accept the fact that there will be seasons where I will be giving more and he will be giving less? or not giving at all? Can I still love him through that? Can I still show up the way I want to show up even in that particular scenario? And again, for you, it's all about creating the right boundaries. Like if you are exhausted, emotionally drained, and you feel like you were just being used and sucked dry, you need to take a break right? That's not for him to say, but that's for you to know with your own internal sense of well-being when you just need a break. And I'm not saying a break of like separation or divorce, but just a moment where you fill yourself back up, right? As women and as mothers, we pour out so much of ourselves to others that we never take the time to refuel. We never take the time to fill ourselves back up with what we need to keep on keeping on. And so you have permission to do that anytime you choose. Number three, the third lie we believe is that we're going to want to work through our problems. I know I believe this, especially when you think about, again, that vow of for better or worse, right? We imagine some worst case scenario that's not really that bad, right? And then we get into marriage and then we have a worst case scenario and it's like the end of the world to us. And we don't want to work on it, whether that's us or whether that's our husband, someone along the way will have some resistance to wanting to work on anything. And I know as women, when we're confronted with a husband who is resistant to therapy or resistant to quote unquote, working on the marriage in the way that we think it needs to be worked on, we take that as a signal that he is checking out, that he is, you know, one foot out the door. And that may not be the case. And of course, I don't know your specific husband. I don't know your specific situation. But I will say that sometimes the lack of motivation or sometimes the apathy really is not an indication that he doesn't believe in the marriage. It's more of an indication of maybe he doesn't believe in the process that you're suggesting. He doesn't believe in himself and the transformation that he needs to make. Maybe he doesn't believe in you and the transformation you need to make. And so all of those things are allowable. All of those things you need to be open to considering and also be open to accepting that there are going to be times when you're not going to work, want to work on things, or you're not going to want to have the conversation, or you're not going to want to figure it out. You're just going to want to agree to disagree. You stay in your corner. He stays in his corner. And in those moments, right, 
that's when God takes over. Because if you're not trying to work on it and he's not trying to work on it, there's only one path to keep that thing going. And that's the intervention of God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, all three of them, right? Sometimes you need the whole Trinity to come into your situation. And that is okay. But I think we have this misconception that like, of course, we're going to want to work on our problems. Like, of course, we're in this to win this. And that may not always be the reality. And I don't want you sidetracked, uh, side blindsided rather. I don't want you blindsided to that. It may happen. And it's okay if it does. The fourth lie <laughs> that we believe, and this one always like punches me in the gut, um, is that children will bring you closer. And in some instances, that is true. Like children are a miracle. Children are a gift. They represent like the best of you. They are like a miraculous creation of your union. And that is beautiful. It is holy. God loves it. It's amazing. But if you think and go into the process of having children with the mindset that it's going to bring you closer and you have some major issues in your marriage, I want to let you know you were in for a rude awakening. Now, even in my own marriage, my husband and I dated for five years before we got married and we were grown when we met, right? We, I got married. I was 35 years old. Okay, so like I had lived my life, I had matured, he had matured, we were adults, we were grown ups, right? We were grown ups making this decision to get married. And so we dated each other for five years. And I remember when we actually got married and we were talking about, you know, well, when do we want to start trying to have children? My husband would make the joke and he would say to me, well, we need to wait a little bit longer because I want to make sure I love you enough, <laughs> to weather the storm of having children with you. And I would sort of be confused by that. I'm like, what do you mean you need to love me enough? And now that we have children, our children are almost three and five years old. And I can tell you that raising children together, even in the best of circumstances, puts a strain on your marriage. It forever changes the dynamic of your marriage. I remember reading in this book, it's like children forever change your marriage. Like they literally do. And so if you are in a place where you think having a child together is going to bring you closer and your marriage is not rock solid now, that is not the case. And I would strongly suggest that you do the work to strengthen the foundation of your marriage before you bring an innocent child into a less than ideal situation. That's your responsibility. Just like you have to have a car seat before you leave the hospital, you need to have a strong family foundation to bring that child home to. 
And that child is not responsible for creating a stronger marriage. You as the parent, you as the adult have the responsibility to get it together first before you bring that child. And if you already have children, if you already have children, you have to do what needs to be done to create a healthy home environment for them. That is your responsibility. And so I know I'm getting on my soapbox right now, but I see it so often. So many of you who come to me now for marriage help have grown up in a home where the dynamics between the parents was not healthy. And you see the toll that it's taken on your life. You see the damage that it's done for you. And now you're repeating that same pattern again in your own home. Why? Why are you allowing that to happen? You really have to think about that. Okay. I digress. I still love you. Please know that I love you. And everything I say is from a place of love and wanting only what's best for you. And here's the fifth lie that I think we believe, that we want to believe, is that God is naturally the center of your marriage. Like how many times, how many cards, how many words of advice did you receive that's like, put God first, right? Like a marriage is a three-chord strand, you, your husband, and God. I know I did. And I just thought because I was a believer and my husband was a believer that God would just naturally be there in the middle, in the midst, dead in the center of our marriage. And that is not true at all. Having God at the center of your marriage requires intentionality. It requires that you allow him to come in in the first place. It means that you create space for him to inhabit your marriage, that you have conversations with him about your marriage, that you and your husband talk with him about your marriage. God is there always, of course, he's ever present, but he's sometimes standing at the door and you haven't opened the door for him to come in. And so I don't want anyone to just think that, yes, God is just going to like take over and take control. Just like any area of your life, God gives you free will. Like you invite him in to the degree that you invite him in. And so he's not just going to naturally be there unless you naturally allow him to. But a lot of times we put up roadblocks because we try to do things based on our own thinking or how we're feeling in the moment. We don't consult what God would say for us to do, right? God has already given us the prescription for how to have a happy marriage. All of those principles are in the Bible, And all of those principles are the things that I teach my client, right? My clients. So forgiveness, compassion, love, like that, you know, Corinthians Bible verse is like the golden ticket to having a happy marriage. You have to be patient. You have to be kind, right? Like it gives the litany of things that we are to do and yet we don't do them. Why? 
because we haven't allowed God to really work through us. We haven't gotten the skills. We haven't changed our mindset, right? There's a mindset shift that must take place when you get married. Your single self and the way you think about life as a single woman has to be very different than the way you see yourself as a woman united together forever with another human being. It's very different. And so if you haven't acknowledged that, if you haven't been intentional about shifting yourself, then your marriage is going to bump up into issues because You're trying to be married, but still have the mindset of a single person, which is only focused on you and your needs and what you're getting. And that is never a recipe for success. So I hope you've stayed with me for this episode. I feel like I went on a little bit of a tangent with some of these, but I feel so passionately about them because holding on to these beliefs, holding on to these misperceptions, these lies, if you will, are keeping you stuck. And so in summary, again, they are the other person should meet your needs. Not true. Marriage is give and take. Not always. You want to work things through. No, sometimes you won't. Number four, children will bring you closer. Yes, but no, right? And God is naturally in the center only when you intentionally invite him in. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking the time to tune into this podcast. And I hope that you will take this content, you know, from my place of love, because that's where I'm giving it to you from. I hope it also challenges you though, right? I am here as a transformational coach. My job is to tell you the things that no one else will really tell you. Because it's not until you uncover the truth that you need to know that you can create the shifts that you want in your marriage. And I want your marriage to survive. I want your marriage to thrive, actually. And so if you feel like I can be a further assistance to you, if you feel like, hey, maybe you'd like to hop on the phone with me. Maybe you'd like to get my perspective on some things happening in your marriage. Maybe you'd like to consider hiring me as your coach and as your mentor to guide you specifically through what you were going through in your marriage. I would be more than happy to speak to you. Um, I will link in the show notes um, how you can access a conversation with me directly, how you can get on the phone with me, talk with me about what's happening in your marriage right now, where you are now, we'll figure out where you want to go and I'll create a pathway for you to getting there. So again, I will link to the show notes for that. If you are on my email list already, then you many times probably get the opportunity to hear about how to get on the phone with me. Um, But if you're not on my email list, I will link to the show notes and you can schedule a time to speak with me directly and get on my email list because I send out incredible emails on a pretty regular basis and would love to have a conversation with you there as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. I will be back with you next week for another episode and I hope you take this information to heart. All right. Bye for now. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. Now, I'd love to connect with you more. 
Join me in my private group on Facebook, The Empowered Wives Society, or sign up for my weekly newsletter at berelatable.com. There you'll find additional resources to help you create the happy and loving marriage you desire. And of course, I can't wait to meet you right back here for the next episode. Until then, make your marriage amazing.